Well, good evening. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm stoked to be here tonight. We get to uh, dive into uh, step two, the second installment of our identity series. Um, a lot of times we talk about the things that are different about all of us, our different talents, different abilities, different experiences, spiritual gifts, all that sort of thing. But we don't come back to the things that we all have in common a whole lot of times, and that's really the whole point of this identity series. What is it that every single one of us as followers of Jesus have in common? Um, what is it that really every Christian really needs to have a handle on? And so we're just looking through a few things that lay a good foundation for us in our faith. And tonight we're talking about baptism. And I'm not sure if you noticed it on the way in or not, but actually out on the patio there is a, a baptismal out there. And it is filled tonight with uh, nice jacuzzi temperature water, and we have towels, and we have bathing suits and t-shirts. Uh, for those of you that maybe have never been baptized tonight, my hope and prayer is, is that you, something would happen in your heart and in your head that by the time we're through, that you would say, you know what, this is, this is a step of obedience that I have not taken yet, and I would like to go out and be baptized. There are some of you in here that have been following Jesus for a long time, and for some reason or other, you just haven't been baptized yet, and you know all about it. Um, I would encourage you right now to get up from your seat and just go get baptized. You don't need to hear anything I have to say, because you, you know it all. You just need to go do it. That's the last little piece for you there. Um, but for the rest of us, um, so that girl's either going to go get baptized or she's going to the bathroom or something, but um, we'll just embarrass her. Um, the rest of us need to just kind of hang in here for just a few moments, and uh, I believe that undoubtedly there's people in this room here tonight that wouldn't call themselves a, a Christian, um, they wouldn't say that they follow Jesus. Um, I would really hope and desire that maybe just you, you soak up what's going on here tonight, and maybe you will find yourself at a different place uh, at the end of our time tonight. And for those of you that have already been baptized, you've been following Jesus, I hope that your soul and your spirit would be encouraged by that decision and you would be reminded from where you've been saved and for what, what purpose. You ever, ever think about Noah and the ark? You're like, whoa, we were just on baptism. What are we doing on Noah and the ark? I like Noah a lot because, I mean, this guy's several hundred years old when he starts to build the ark. God, you know the story, gives him the, the instructions. I, I'm going to wipe out everything, but I'm going to save you and your family. So here's what you need to do. You need to build an ark, a big old boat, and then you need to get two of every kind of animal on board with you. And the floodwaters come. You're going to be cool. Everybody else is going to be bumming. So he gives these detailed lists of instructions. He, he gets like what type of wood he's supposed to use, how long, how wide, how deep this boat is supposed to be. He's even given the type of stuff that he's supposed to coat the interior of the ark with so it doesn't leak. And then when it comes time to the, the part where he's supposed to figure out how to get two of every kind of animal, animal on board, no instructions whatsoever. Nothing. Okay, this is weird to me. You guys, if, if I am given the instruction, hey, you need to build an ark and get a couple of every kind of animal on board, I'm, I'm going, okay, I'm lousy at building stuff with my hands, but the God of the universe just gave me instructions, so I'm pretty sure I'll be able to figure that out. But how in the world am I going to get two of every kind of animal on board the ark if I don't have any instructions? How in the world am I going to do that? I just wander around, hey, you two giraffes, come with me. 
I don't speak giraffe. I don't know what language they speak. Czechoslovakian. I don't know how to make their noise. I don't know how to wrangle all them up. But recently I was reading back through it. And after those instructions on how to build the ark, when it gets to the animal instruction part, it actually says, and then two of every kind of animal will come to you. Oh, that's, that's totally different, right? Because now that's God's job. That's not Noah's job. Noah's job is just to be obedient. And God's job is to do the saving. And so Noah builds the ark and the animals start coming. And I don't know how many months and months and months of maybe doubts and frustrations that Noah and his family had as they were kind of building this thing and going, is it really ever going to rain? How many hecklers came over, peeked over his fence and like, dude, what are you doing? There is no reason to build this boat. It doesn't rain here. This is ridiculous. Until that one day and a drop and instantly all reality changes and the people that had been hecklers the doubts maybe that Noah and his own family had had suddenly gone and reality has changed can you imagine the feeling that Noah and his family had as it began to rain can you imagine the feeling that they had as they were on board the ark and the rest of the earth is just wiped out and they themselves are okay? Can you imagine that feeling when the waters start to subside? And they look at each other and they go, we're, we're saved. We, we made it. Do you think that that family would ever forget how God had saved them? Do you think they would ever forget what God had done for them in that moment? No way. Do you think that there is anybody alive that they wouldn't be willing to tell about how amazing God was in saving them? I mean, at first it's just their own family, but how many generations do you think it passed on before they're, they're just going, wow, you got to remember where we got saved from and how amazing God is. I am convinced that the God of the universe wants you, as a follower of Jesus, to remember how much He has saved you. What He has saved you from and what He has saved you for. I believe that's a desire of God's heart, that every single day you would remember that the extent to which you have been saved and what you've been saved for. But I also believe that God would desire that you would broadcast that salvation to other people. I believe that God desires that you would make that public to other people. That you've been so moved and so transformed that you're like, well, I can't contain this in myself. I, I have to let other people know about who God is and what He's done. And here, all these years later, God gives us an amazing way for us to have the reality of our salvation just cemented down in our souls and he's given us a way for us to publicly broadcast our faith and trust in this saving God and that picture is baptism baptism is this amazing way it's like looking at what God said and what God's done and you go whoa okay God what well, could you take me into Christ like you took Noah into the ark. 
Could you just save me from these waters of death and judgment and find me in the safety and the power of this living Jesus? Your baptism is a powerful symbol, a powerful picture of how well you are linked to Jesus. I, I believe tonight that there's two really important things that I believe that your baptism portrays. And here's my, my only hope tonight. My hope is that when, when you really understand what your baptism portrays, I believe that you'll really understand what happened when you became a Christian. If you really get a grasp on what baptism portrays, I believe that you'll be reminded or clued in for the first time on what happens when you become a Christian. Two things that your baptism portrays. First one, I believe that the baptism portrays your death in the death of Jesus. It links your death to the death of Jesus Christ. Let me explain what that means. When you step into a relationship with Jesus, one of the most important things, the, the, the most powerful, crucial moments that takes place is that you, you get to a moment where you go, I'm going to die to myself. And I want to liken myself to Jesus and his death. And baptism, as you go down under the water, that's a powerful picture and symbol of Jesus being buried by sin, buried by death, literally going into the tomb. And you're going, I, I want to be linked with him in that death. Well, why in the world would you want to do that? Because when you link yourself to Jesus, you're buying into what he did in his death. And you know that Jesus was claiming to be the son of God. And he got arrested for that claim. He was beaten. He was flogged. Leather straps with chunks of metal and rock and debris in those end of the leather. Roman soldiers would whip you with that, would just fillet you open. He gets crucified. Arms pulled back, spike driven, most likely through your wrist. If you do it through the hand, they found that it would pull through because the bones in your hand, the flesh there is just too fleshy. It would just pull right through when your weight was supported there. So if you drive right through the wrist, there's two big bones in your arm, the radius and the ulna, and that would support the weight of the person being crucified. I can't imagine the pain that Jesus experienced as that spike drove through his wrist. You have a big nerve that runs through your wrist there. It sends feeling out to your fingertips. You ever hit your elbow really badly on something? The pain that Jesus experienced would have been something like taking a pair of pliers, clamping down on that nerve in your elbow and twisting. This is the pain Jesus experiences. That spike goes through, and the same thing on the other side. And then they would drive a nail through your feet, or sometimes buckle the, the knees over and go down through the heels or ankles. They then would upright the cross. The cross would fall down into a hole to support the weight of the cross. As it would fall down, a lot of times the people hanging on the cross would have their shoulders separated from their sockets as they'd fall into place. And the back that had been ripped to shreds by a flog is now rubbing up against the rough wood of that cross as he has to push up off that spike in his feet to fill his lungs with air and collapse back down again. 
Why in the world would he go through that? God the Father, the perfect Father, holy, he can't stand sin, and he has to punish it. He can't just look at sin and go, ah, that's no big deal. He has to do something about it. But in one of the most, the most amazing act in all of history, he sends his son Jesus to take the punishment that you and I deserve. Instead of God punishing you, he says, you believe in this act I'm going to do right here, and this is it. This is the most amazing thing you're ever going to see. And all of God's wrath and hatred for sin was poured out on his son in that moment. Jesus took all of the sin of the world, all of history's sin, on his body in that moment. And that's something I can't describe the pain of very well. But in that moment, he hangs there on that cross. And he looks out over the crowd of people and he says, Father, forgive these people. Because they don't know what they're doing. But Jesus knew he needed to bear this sin and bear this punishment. Because it meant freedom for you. And it meant freedom for me. And as he hung there on that cross, right before he breathes his last, he throws a glance to heaven and he says, it is finished. In Greek, that phrase is to telestai, which means paid in full. Any debt that we owed was just canceled, slate wiped clean. Any wrongdoing, any sin, all wiped clean and poured out on Jesus Christ. And it killed him. It wiped him out. And when you get baptized, you are likening yourself to Jesus in his death, saying, I, I believe that that's what he did for me. And so now I am going to die to myself. I'm going to die to sin. I'm going to relinquish any hold that I had on my, my life there. And I'm just going to say, I I'm dead to myself. I'm dead to sin. I'm going to embrace what Jesus did that brought him death. Hey guys, if that's the end of the story, then we're, this is just not a happy time, is it? If that was the end of it, if Jesus just dies, then, and that's it, he doesn't come back to life, he doesn't raise from the dead, then uh, Christianity uh, is, is a waste of time. We're, we're uh, here just for no reason whatsoever. Because if that happened, then that really means that Jesus was killed by sin. Sin conquered over Jesus. Jesus didn't conquer sin. It would be like if we went outside at the baptismal out there, and I just took Josh over here, and we said, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I just, we put him under. But then I didn't bring him back up. That wouldn't be good for Josh. I mean, he'd squirm for a little while, but then pretty soon he'd stop squirming, and then he'd be dead. How many of you would get in the baptismal right after that and go, oh, sign me up. I want to dive in on that one. That sounds good. No way. You're not getting me into that baptismal. Hey, is Josh floating around right there? There's no hope. There's nothing. That's not good. No. Jesus did not find himself conquered by sin or conquered by death. And that first piece for us is important, that our baptism portrays our death linked to the death of Jesus. But secondly, our baptism portrays the newness of life that we have found in this risen, alive Jesus. 
And that's the good news. That's the amazing thing because on Easter morning, the disciples showed up at the tomb. They looked inside the tomb and it was empty. Jesus was not in there. And they celebrated because they'd been hearing about this happening long before it took place. They're like, this is it. Jesus conquered sin. He conquered death so that he could be alive in you. So that he could invade your very spirit and give you the gentle promptings of the Holy Spirit so that you might be able to live out this Christian life that you can't live out apart from him. And so your baptism portrays this newness of life in Jesus as well. Going, yeah, I believe that he rose from the dead. I don't believe what some people say that he just fainted up there on the cross. Some people say that he just passed out. He wasn't dead and then he woke up sometime in the tomb and overpowered the Roman soldiers, took his robes, cloths off, and then just skipped away. Yay, woo, I fooled everybody. Other people, oh yeah, the disciples went to the wrong tomb. He wasn't really dead. He didn't really rise from the dead. The disciples looked, they saw an empty tomb, and they were like, oh, look, he's empty. It's gone. No, if that was the case, the Roman soldiers would have just gone, no, you idiots, he's right here. He's in this tomb. <laughs> look, there he is. We would have seen the body, and Christianity would have been dead at that moment. Other people say, oh, Jesus had a twin brother. One was crucified, and then the other one went around making appearances afterwards, and that's how they pulled off the scam. Some people say the disciples went and stole the body. There's all these ridiculous theories out there. When we begin to unpack and unravel these, you realize that there's really not much merit to them. And it leaves the option that God did rise Jesus from the dead. That he is who he said he was. And that he is right here in our midst tonight. And he desires to go home with every single one of you. So your baptism portrays that death being linked to the death of Jesus, but it also portrays the newness of life of this resurrected Jesus being alive in you. And when you step into a relationship with Jesus, when you say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and now I'm going to give him the control of my life, but that's the reality for you, death to life. When you hand over the keys of your life to Jesus Christ, you go from death to life. And so now baptism becomes this beautiful picture of that. And now you get to go out and live daily what your baptism portrays. You wake up every single day and you're like, okay, I'm going to die to myself today. I'm going to die to sin today. And I'm going to link myself up to the life of Jesus the plan of Jesus, the word of Jesus. And I'm going to go for it. If you have your, your Bibles tonight, as we close, I just want to show you two passages on baptism that I think kind of flesh out a little bit more of the meaning of baptism and show us a little bit of a look at why we do it the way we do it here at Cornerstone. It's a kind of an important thing. Some of you are here sitting right now and, and you were not planning on coming in here and getting baptized tonight. You, your hair is just exactly right on and you're like, there's no way I'm, I'm looking like matted down rat girl when I leave here. And so, this is, but you guys, 
Jesus himself, Jesus himself was baptized. And he calls the followers of his to, to do the same. Just as this act of obedience, just as the outward symbol and public display of an inward reality. And there's, there's something so powerful when we get this. Look at uh, 1 Peter. 1 Peter is near the end of your Bible. Hebrews and then James. And then 1 Peter, you're going to look at chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3, look at verse 18. It says, For Christ died for sins, once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That is so cool. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom... Also, he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Okay, those of you out of a question about, okay, what's he doing? He's visiting spirits in prison. This is really weird. Okay, here, here's what you need to do. You need to go talk to Pastor Lynn or Pastor Jeff, okay? Because they're way smarter than I am, and it would take me to the rest of the evening to explain that effectively, and it doesn't really have anything to do with baptism. So, okay, good, and I'm stupid, so I wouldn't be able to help you. Okay, next. In it, the ark, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Here's a couple things. The act of baptism itself, the, the water getting dunked under, the ceremony, the tradition of it, does not save you. Being baptized is not required for salvation. It isn't. There's nothing magical about the water. There's nothing magical about the experience. It is merely a, a symbolic picture of your salvation. Look at this. Paul says it right here. Look at verse 21 again. It says, And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. And you go, okay, well, you're wrong. He just says right there, plain and simple, baptism saves you. Except it's almost like he knew we were going to mix that up. It's almost like he knew we were going to um, confuse that and, and he was going to need to clarify. So instantly he jumps in to clarify, okay, wait a minute. I just said baptism saves you, but that's not really what I mean. Check, check this out. He says, not the removal of dirt from the body, not, not, the, not the dunking, not, not the water itself, not the ceremony, not the tradition. When I say the baptism saves you, it's, it's not the act. That, that act has, has no magical thing to it. But he said, this is what it does. But the pledge of a good conscience towards God. The baptism itself doesn't have any saving power, but an appeal 
to this almighty, all-forgiving God does. That's where the salvation lies. In this God who is willing at the drop of a hat to forgive you. He has already set up things in history, namely the, the cross of Jesus, to take care of the punishment that you and I deserved. And now the Bible says that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe that God raised him from the dead. You believe that he is Lord. You'll be saved. And then the picture of your salvation is best cemented to your heart and your soul in baptism. It's best displayed for others in in baptism, even right here in our our own community. But the act itself does not save. That's why for us here at Cornerstone, we, we do child dedications, but not child baptisms. Mark and Luke talk about baptism in the sense of a, it being a, it's a baptism of repentance. That's how they say it every single time, baptism of repentance. And that if you're going to be baptized, it's because you have died to yourself, you have turned away from the life you once lived, and you are focused in, locked in on God and who He is and His plan and His way of living for you. And that is something that only someone old enough can make the decision for. Little babies can't make that decision yet, so for us, that's why we choose to dedicate them because parents, parents want to, in good conscience, pledge their child to the Lord. They want to publicly say, we're, we're going to raise our kid in the ways of the Lord. But maybe you're under 18, maybe, maybe you're a kid here today, but you're old enough to understand what I'm saying. You're old enough to understand what God's done for you. And maybe you were dedicated as a little kid. Maybe being baptized today or in the near future, that would just be a, a fulfillment of the hope and dream that your parents had for you someday. That your baptism would mean, wow, I, it's not just a symbol or a ceremony, but it would be a reflection of something that really has taken place, a choice that you have made in your own life to follow God. And that's why adults, the salvation comes in your faith and trust in Jesus. You hit the water out there and it washes over you, that didn't mean that you were saved now. It doesn't mean that if you already have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you haven't been baptized yet, that doesn't mean that you're not saved right now. You're totally saved. You're good. But if you want this amazing picture and symbol that will really just cement into your heart about your death being likened to the death of Jesus and your life being likened to the life of Jesus, baptism's it. What a great public display. Look at Romans chapter 5, and then we're done. Move to the left in your Bible if you're not real familiar. Romans chapter 5. Verse 20. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. It says, The law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. That's good news. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? 
Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Christian, if you already have a relationship with Jesus but you haven't been baptized, the reality of, of what has taken place is still in effect. When you stepped into a relationship with Jesus, the binding nature of sin was snapped. You were meant to live dead to sin, dead to yourself. And from God's perspective, that's what happened. And then when you came up and into this newness of life with God, you were supposed to link yourself with Him every single day so that you could just learn what He really had for you. And now as you, as you sit here soaking this all in, I kind of be thinking, okay, well, uh, maybe, maybe this is the time. Maybe, maybe tonight's tonight. Uh, totally not on my radar. Get baptized tonight at church. But wouldn't it be cool if you came in tonight and, and you, you came in a believer of Jesus, then you walked out baptized, and the reality of your life didn't really change, but you just had a deeper sense of what really happened when you became a Christian. Yeah, I just had a deeper sense of wanting to mature and grow in that relationship with God. You might wake up tomorrow and go, I'm going to die to myself today. You'd wake up tomorrow and go, I'm going to live for you today. You drive home. We can get you pretty well dry, but you're still going to be a little squishy in certain places. But that might be kind of a cool reminder as you're driving home. Because how often do you physically feel different when you leave church? It's, it's rare, but tonight you can. You could have a physical reminder of what Jesus has done for you. Why we do it by immersion here at Cornerstone, we've chosen to do it this way, three simple reasons. And immersion means we go all the way under and come back up instead of sprinkling or that sort of thing. Why we do it this way, a couple reasons. One, um, the word that we get baptism from in the original language is baptizo, and that word means to immerse. It doesn't mean to sprinkle, so that's one of the reasons. Another reason is in the New Testament, whenever we get pictures of people being baptized, it seems as if they go down into a body of water and then are dunked under. This is how Jesus was baptized. You don't see uh, people being, having water brought to them to be splashed on them or sprinkled on them. And then third and final reason is because when you're immersed, it just does the best picture of giving us the, the symbol of Jesus' burial and death. That as you go down under that water, it is as if you, you, you are dead. Your old self is gone and dead. And then you rise up and the new you is there. And I mean, you are physically covered. Every part of you is covered in water. As, as every part of you would be covered in the love and the forgiveness of God. That you 
rise up and now water's dripping off of you. There's a fresh start. There's a cleanliness. And there's a different hope. So, here's your shot tonight. The band's going to come up and do two more songs. I'm going to pray here in just a moment. When I say amen, if tonight God's really working on your heart and and you want to be baptized, then I'm going to ask that you head out the back doors in just a moment and you'll go outside there and there's some people there at some tables near the baptismal on the patio where I ask that you fill out a card first and then they're going to point you in the direction where you can go get changed. They're going to give you a towel. They're going to give you something dry to, to switch into. Then you come back out and you'll be baptized. We've got pastors out there that'll do some baptizing. But baptizing doesn't have to be done by by pastors. Parents, if you want to baptize your children, go for it. That's fantastic. We've been seeing this all day long. Some of you in here, this is going to be cool because as we continue in worship, we have a camera out there and you're going to be able to see up here on the screens the baptisms that are taking place out there on the patio. If you have friends or family members that are here tonight and they're going, hey, well, I, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going for it. I'm going to get dunked tonight because this is, this is it. I need to. This is cool. So then you can go out there with them. If you're an adult here tonight and, and you're going to go get baptized and you have children that are in child care, we just ask that you go get your child first and, uh, and then bring them out there with you so they can watch. If you're under 18, we ask that uh, you get parent permission. Especially if your parents aren't here tonight, they, they, a lot of times they really want to see that and you wouldn't want to have them miss out on, on that experience. Some of you in this room that have been walking with Jesus for a long time, this is a, maybe a step of faith that you weren't anticipating, but you know tonight's the night. There are others of you in here that maybe don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. Maybe tonight's the night you fully understand who God is and what he's done for you. And in the New Testament, a lot of times, people that would step into a relationship with Jesus, they just instantly go, okay, well, I, I, I get it. My life's changed. I get him. I, I'm going to go be baptized. I, I want to make it public. I want it to be cemented into my soul. And they just go and do it. So whether you've been a Christian for years and years or like 30 seconds, this is for you. If you wouldn't say that Jesus is the Lord of your life, if you wouldn't say that, yeah, I have given control of my life over to God, if you wouldn't say, you know, I just, I'm not there yet, I don't believe this yet, then, then baptism isn't for you. Maybe that'll come at some point in your future. Just it wouldn't have any meaning for you tonight. So I'm going to pray here in just a moment. As the band comes out and we close out in a couple songs of worship and we take our tithes and offerings for this evening, I just ask that you would just bow your heads and just kind of dialogue with God for a moment about what he'd have you do. And then I'm going to say amen. And then those of you that want to go, just head right on out. So gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for what our baptism portrays. Betrays our our need to die to ourselves and die to sin. 
It also portrays the newness of life that you breathe into us when we step into that relationship with you. be working in our hearts and our lives, God. Would you encourage, encourage our very souls as we get to see on the screens and then see as we leave tonight little kids, middle-aged adults, and seniors who are deciding tonight to be baptized. If you have a relationship with God, your eyes closed and heads bowed, I, I just hope that you are reminded and encouraged that you have been taken into Christ as Noah was taken into the ark. That the waters of life get rough and rocky and yet you're in the safest relationship, the safest place that you could possibly imagine. Those of you that maybe tonight's the night where you're going, I, I get it. I want to start this relationship with Jesus. You just pray a prayer something like this. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you for him taking the punishment that I guess I deserve. I want to be likened to him in his death. I, I want to die to myself tonight. I don't want to find new life in this Jesus who's alive. I just invite him into my life to take control tonight. And now maybe it's time for me just to walk out and publicly display this salvation that I've just experienced. So Father, we love you and just are so excited about what you're doing here and how glorious you are. What a celebration this is. What a happy moment this is. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, if this is you, you just get right up where, where you're seated and head back out on those doors, out onto the patio.